You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Hey there, this is Brian Wolf with Parker Technology, a sponsor for The Parking Podcast. Parker Technology is the customer experience solution of choice for the parking industry. Our solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Whether you utilize our customer service team or your team in conjunction with our software platform, or a combination of both, we help you capture revenue, provide better customer service, enable your staff to focus on higher priority tasks, and most importantly, keep your traffic moving. With the Parker Technology solution, you'll also enjoy real-time access to call data and recordings. Learn more at parkertechnology.com forward slash parking podcast and subscribe to our podcast, Harder Than It Looks, Parking Uncovered. Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Welcome back to another episode of the Parking Podcast. With us today is Dr. Perry Eggleston, Executive Director of Transportation Services for UC Davis. How are you doing today, Perry? Doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining. I know we our careers crossed paths uh, a few years ago working for the same organization, so uh, it's been fun watching all the things you're bringing to the industry from afar and glad you uh, could finally get on the, the podcast to tell your story. So w- w- one thing I love about your story, I'll just, maybe I'm giving a, a spoiler away, but like Romy, Valera, Cindy Campbell, other... Uh, Parking legends who've been on the podcast in this industry, I believe you started writing parking tickets. Is this how you got into parking, or maybe just take us away, take it from there? How'd you get into parking? Well, like most people who get into parking, we don't choose this industry; it chooses us. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, at the time, I was in at Cal State University Bakersfield in uh, California, and I was a police sergeant, and uh, I was assigned as a collateral duty to be the parking sergeant over our parking officers. And during that time, I found a little niche and uh, I really enjoyed the sciences of behavior versus how many rectangles can you put in a polygon. And so there's always the the social science and the math science that I, I like. And it's huh. just, it it's unique. It's, there's a, we touch so many things in law are in a parking that it's uh it's just been a real challenge and i've really enjoyed my time and i am glad you're in the parking industry we um we're going to talk about kind of what you're doing recently at uc davis but just a brief word so when you and i met you were working for a city a municipality so uh you've worked for operators cities universities i don't know talk about the difference from working for a private operator versus a, a public entity well, the the again the the goal is the same. The mission is the same as that's to provide people opportunities to park and, and providing good service, supportive service, and also uh, access. Just the political environment's a little different between municipal and and uh, collegiate. Uh, municipal, there it's cities uh, have councils. They also have uh, business owners. 
And so there's a lot of uh, stakeholders that you work with on that side of the table. And then on the collegiate side, you know, we work with professors, we work with visitors. The mission, the, the department mission is the same, but the overall mission of the university, obviously, is student outcomes and education and providing an opportunity for community members to engage at an academic level. So I added between the two, I've experienced both. I, I do enjoy the collegiate just probably because I, I spent 13 years at a as a police sergeant on a university campus, and I just learned to work in that environment much more successfully. Yeah, and you used the word, uh, well, you talked about academics, you've worked for universities. In fact, most of your career, I would say, has been universities. I know you have your doctorate, so uh, education is obviously very important to you. Um, you know, where'd you get your doctorate in? Does it pertain somehow to parking with planning or, or anything like that? And uh, maybe just about your love of learning in general. Well, um, between law enforcement and getting back into the parking industry in 2010, my wife and I spent a couple of years in Afghanistan working as humanitarian workers. And during that time, there wasn't much to do in the evenings. Uh, there was no Walmarts. There was no shopping malls. So I decided to uh, pursue my doctorate is something I could do online. Uh, online campuses were were ramping up at that time in 2008. And so I began the process and, and started working on that. When I turned back from uh, Afghanistan in 2010 and got back into parking, I just saw that there was a unique difference, a, a dichotomy between urban planners and parking policy makers. Uh, we know Dr. Shoup, mm. we know all these other groups are people who are look at parking and more of as a science. I think they focus a lot more on uh, rectangles and polygons. And I see parking as a policy issue and that we should focus on that. So I focus my dissertation on, on the differences between the two and what we should be looking at as either an urban planner or as a policymaker. And, and most of us that we work in our industry are policymakers, or at least policy implementers. We work for city councils or we work for university uh, administrations who have policies on how they want their parking and transportation operations done. And we're, we are implementers of that. So it was enjoyable. It, you know, anybody says that a dissertation is easy, it's not. And uh, any, I, I, I'm not sure anyone's ever said that dissertations are easy. <laughs> well, yeah, it's maybe uh, Dr. Shoup. Some people are just born to write. So uh, again, there's yeah, there's practitioners like me, and we mm. call ourselves academic practitioners. We we yes, we did the terminal degree, but we uh, much prefer to practice yeah. instead of academic ties. And there's those that act, do the academic studies. Yeah, but, that's, um, a, that's impressive. Wow. Yeah, I just again, I, I any good dissertations, a done dissertation, I finished that. But the, again, the doctorate was more of a something to do when I was in Afghanistan, and I just morphed it into a okay. Well, I'm in back in transportation parking again, so let's do a dissertation on something like that, and it finished that in 2015. Wow, and man, my um, you gave a teaser there. So you you and your wife were working on humanitarian work and. Afghanistan. What was what was that about? Well, in 2008, our last child left left the roost and graduated high school and went on to his own 
life. And so we decided to take this opportunity. Um, I was about 20 years in law enforcement and there was an opportunity that rose in Afghanistan where I was the director of security for a, a hospital that worked with women, Afghan women, number one cause of death of Afghan women in, in Afghanistan at that time was uh, childbirth. And so this was a maternity hospital. I wasn't the doctor, I was the director of security. And I also provided uh, with my background in in a general public administration, I had uh, some experience in grants. And so I, on another organization, I was their grant manager and, uh, and I helped them write the grants and plus maintain the grants for the European Union, uh, provided money in the, or other organization was an airline that provided transportation for other humanitarian group workers around Afghanistan as driving across uh, Afghanistan was not safe. So flying was the primary mode of transportation at the time. Wow, that's amazing, Perry. Thank you. That's pretty cool. And uh, congrats to you and your wife taking that on. And I know I have a uh, sophomore and a and a eighth grader, so I'm already starting to think about what I want to do when uh, when we're home alone after after they go off to college. But that's uh, that's really cool that you guys did that. So, but let's jump forward to the present. So now you're at UC Davis. You recently presented at the California Mobility and Parking Association about this parking invoice program. I heard a lot of good things. Several people told me about it, told me to reach out to you. So can you give our listeners an elevator pitch about this program your team does at UC Davis? And then maybe we can dive in with some questions. Sure. Well, we started a daily choice program at UC Davis in 2021. And, uh, Basically, that goes from a monthly, takes away the monthly or removes the monthly annual permit structure, and people make a choice every day of where they want to park and what they want to pay. And then out of that program, we were discovering there were people who were forgetting. Uh, some people get busy. They they forget to pay for their parking. And instead of issuing a full full ticket to them, um, which is you know on our campus is $64, uh, we looked at ways of just saying, hey, we know you forgot, so here's an invoice. So it's not a ticket. It's just a post-parking fee. And that invoice is the $16 rate, which is our visitor rate, and which would they would have paid anyway if they would have just paid in the first place. So it it's, does a lot of – there's a lot of goodwill with that, and our campus has appreciated some of it. And, uh, well, they've appreciated the whole program. And uh, it's just been very successful on our campus. And our primary focus was to reduce the amount of appeals, parking citation appeals we were receiving. Uh, we were receiving quite a few folks just asking, hey, I forgot, can I just get a lower fee, something different? So we just basically gave them the opportunity to do it without having to appeal. And that's our post-parking fee or parking invoice program. Really cool. So I got a lot of questions. So uh, first off, you, you mentioned... Um... Well, let's take it back. So we get this a lot, even in this, I work with a lot of cities and, you know, a lot of cities now, you used to pay for a monthly permit. You'd go to the office five days a week. You'd park in the garage five days a week. So you wanted that monthly pass. Now, as you know, there's a lot of work from home, telecommuting, and sometimes people go in the office, they have a hybrid. They go in the office two or three times a week and they work from home the other. And they're doing the math and they're realizing Man, I don't know. You know, 
daily daily parking may still be more expensive than the monthly permit. So they're starting to ask about this kind of flex permitting and different options. And so sounds like you guys are doing that too, but you even take it to the next level. It's priced differently by proximity. We're you know, going back to the shoot model of trying to spread out parkers and instead of having one full every day, I'm hoping now, I don't know, is that the case where you've seen more open spaces in some of the busier lots because people realize they can save money by cheap parking in a cheaper lot? Exactly. We've we've noticed uh, utilization dispersion is what we like to call it util- by um, allocation and pricing. And our lots that have been underutilized, we've adjust pricing lower, which has motivated our people who generally who generally come either every day or uh, who want to spend less and just walk a little longer, go park there, save themselves some money. And then there's uh, that opens up more space in our high demand areas for our visitors who tend to pay more money. And so anecdotally, we're starting to see a little bit more revenue from that. And But the best uh, effector that we've seen is the reducing, reduction of congestion. Um, we're still seeing a lot mm. of people on campus. We're still seeing 80 to 90% utilization of our facilities, but we're seeing less congestion because people are spreading where they want to park instead of lot sharking or looking for a parking space because they paid a monthly or quarterly permit in a yeah. C lot and they're going to look or you know a certain lot and they're going to go find a space in that lot. Now they can choose every day if they want if they need to come in early or come in and get a better space, they can pay more, park closer, or the next day they can save some money and get an extra cup of coffee. Oh man, I love it. And it reminds me kind of like when I park at Walmart, uh, instead of driving around for five minutes, wait for someone to leave close to the store or the mall or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll oftentimes just park in the first space I see and walk. So it's kind of like uh, just to get out of the traffic congestion, they may park in a cheaper lot and just walk through. Um, but as you said, more importantly, uh, people that are price sensitive can save. Um, that's my question here. So I know you guys used to do semester permitting i'm not sure the term in universities or calendar you know how 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 you sold them but could a cust does a will a customer save more money if they were to park in some of the cheaper lots than they would and, and they parked every day five days a week for a month w- would it be cheaper than a monthly permit or are they paying more than what it used to cost for it for a given month or semester what we're seeing is is actually people don't at least on a campus don't park 95% of our people park less than 20 days a month, which is business days that we would be parking or charging for parking. So there's only 5% of our population, driving population, that actually comes every five days. Um, and so many of those folks, yes, it is cheaper. About 16, 17 days of parking in a month, uh, going to a monthly would be a, a better choice. But for the clear majority of folks, it is a quite a bit less expensive to park on a daily choice model. Mm. Okay. And then one thing you, you briefly mentioned was if someone forgets to pay or doesn't pay, you guys, I, I can't remember what you, you what, what did you call it? You, it's not like a parking ticket. You, you give them an option to pay yeah, like yeah, an in-between a- rate because obviously uh, you want to motivate them to pay the, 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 the daily, you know, use the app and, and pay instead of having to find them the whole time, but it's cheaper than a ticket. So talk about what you do for people that don't pay and what separates you from maybe other universities that ticket. Well, again, uh, with daily choice, people can could, there's more opportunity to forget. 
And so in an effort to be a little bit more customer service friendly to those that are busy, um, we do have what we call a parking invoice program. And what that is, is a post parking fee. So a person parks and if they forget to pay or maybe they choose not to pay, uh, they get up to two times a year, they can receive an invoice instead of a ticket. And again, the intent of that is to give them the opportunity to pay a less lesser cost. Um, our tickets are $64. Our invoices are $16. Uh, we're seeing about an 80%, anywhere from 75% to 80% people are paying it within two days. Um, there is a time limit, so it's not like you get an invoice and it just sits there in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. They get two days to to pay it. After that, it turns into a parking citation and has to be dealt with or dealt with accordingly. Oh, very nice. So, what's what's it to park like five dollars in one of the in one of the slower lots a day or ten dollars? What's that look like? Well, we're, again, each campus across our nation is different on what mm -hmm. they charge. San Francisco probably I know you see San Francisco charges a lot more than we do, but we have uh. The, our primary, our premium lots are five ten a day, right? This year, our normal lots are our average lots, which is our C, which is the majority of our parking spaces is, is at four dollars a day, and then our L's are at two twenty five. And we purposely keep the L's as low as we can because, again, one to motivate utilization, but two to provide an opportunity for those folks that are price sensitive that do choose that, that I don't want to spend my money on parking. I just want to get my car parked and get to campus. And many of those folks are even parking riders. You know, they'll ride their bike or, or scooter or something. And they'll park far away. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and so let's say they park at one of these faraway lots, $2, $2.25 or $4. They don't pay. They get the they get the invoice. They pay that. How, how do you track that revenue? Is that going your parking violations revenue? Or is that your daily transit? What do you, what do, you do with that, you know, those, In the, those invoices? It's, again, a, yeah, anybody who's invoiced is a post parking fee, so it's mm. not a it's not a fine, and so it goes towards our uh, fee and operations budget. Nice in Calif in California, there's a law requires that fines and forfeitures money goes towards alternative transportation and can support some some portions of your parking operation, but it can't go towards facility maintenance or facility construction. It's it's a it's a restriction that we deal with in California, and yeah. Uh, so with this fee, again, it's a post-parking fee, and therefore it goes into our regular operating budget. And uh, yeah, no, and thanks we're for able clarifying. To use what, it a little bit more. Yeah, that's very smart. So, what's the what's the public perception been to this? What are students, faculty saying? So in the past, they could buy kind of a one and done pay one time, but now it so sounds like they could save a lot of money, and I think that's what. People want that choice, and they could park at different lots instead of being tied to one lot. That seems that seems to be the biggest benefit. But I don't know what is, has the feedback been so far. Feedback's been very positive towards the Daily Choice program. Uh, very well accepted. I think if we were to remove the Daily Choice now, we would have an uprising on the campus. But again, there are those, with, and it was with any population that have special ne access needs. And I mean by that is uh, just their job. Police officers have to be on campus. Uh, custodial crews have to be on campus. So those folks are paying five days a week. And so many of them may opt in for the monthly permit. We do offer that. And we also offer the monthly permit on an exception basis. So if a student can show that they actually have a need to have a monthly because it 
because of whatever, many of our veterinarian students uh, have to come in five, six, seven days a week. And so those folks, we would give them the option to purchase the monthly. But what's interesting is as we've gone through this program with daily choice and this monthly permit, we were pure daily choice theorists say that every get rid of all the monthly permits and everybody's on daily daily choice. And and one, it's that's just not operationally operationally effective because there's just way too many folks that have too many needs that that need a special something. And that goes back to a monthly access. But what's interesting is that we allow folks, if you're able to purchase a monthly permit, so you're at all, all our employees are eligible and students by exception, they can choose one month to buy the monthly. But let's say they go into December, which in a university campus is probably our slowest month of the year. Uh, a lot of people take vacations and then we go into the two weeks of the holidays and a lot of people are not on campus. And so people don't come, but in traditional quarterly, semesterly, annual mode, they would be paying the full price for parking in December as they would be in October. Well, those folks will opt out of the monthly permit in December, use the daily just to cover the two weeks that maybe they're on campus. And then when they leave, they're not paying for the remaining of the month. And then they may opt back into the monthly in January. Um, but as overall, out of probably 10,000 transactions a day we have regarding daily parking, only 800 or so folks have monthly permits. So, I mean, that's a very small percentage of yeah. all the people who park on campus. So obviously the price conscience customer like myself, we're going to save money. We're going to play it smart. Some, you know, you pay for convenience. They want a spot close to their class. They pay more. Uh, obviously you lost the monthly or semester permits from last year but maybe you're getting more off of the post uh, the post parking fee and I, I don't know so have you crunched the numbers yet have you found that you're you're making more money i know it's not all about money you're seeing improvements in transportation congestion customer service but kind of what's the uh revenue look like well it, anecdotally we're starting to see that we're making a little about the same as we were pre-pandemic or even a little bit more. And we're just getting enough data. We're the only campus that's doing something like this. I've tried, I mean, there's several campuses across the nation that do have a version of daily choice, but we're so far, I'm the only one, UC Davis is the only one who's doing it the way we are doing it. And so there's really no data out there or no way of studying that or previous history, historical references on revenue streams. So it's all new. And we only, again, we started in January, 2021. Uh, we're coming what, up here to January, 2024, three years. We're starting to get, and plus we're getting past some of the pandemic issues that we are dealing with, uh, say in 2022, 2023, we're here probably, this is our first real new normal quarter that we feel is gonna continue on. That we're going to begin the studies to see how our revenue streams are coming in and whether is daily choice affecting traditional revenue streams. I can tell you that the onus of going from a monthly to a daily choice takes the responsibility of finding parking and making sure it's priced correctly from the driver to the to the department or to my my staff. And what I mean by that is, is that if in a monthly or annual permit, if we needed to make more revenue, we'd either sell more passes or raise rates. 
Uh, most of the time I've found that we've done both. And what that says is basically, hey, we, we're just giving you a hunting license. It's on you to find a parking space, i.e. congestion, people yeah. sharking, all that other stuff. What we're finding here is that now that the onus is on us because we do daily choice, I have to make sure our inventory is allocated properly between AC and L, the different levels, and that it's priced properly because an empty space is a waste. In a monthly permit, I don't care if a space is empty or not. I already got their money. You know, It's locked cost. They pay me at the beginning of the month, beginning of the quarter, beginning of the year. I got their money. I, you know, there's no incentive for me to change or monitor my allocation. But with a daily choice model, if I drive up a, and I see a bunch of empty spaces, we're not making any money. And so we have to take a deep dive and quick deep dive and look at whether we need to reallocate or reprice our uh, inventory to make sure we put cars in spaces. And with that model, what we're seeing is that we lower the price in areas that are heavily underutilized. So we get people parking there now, which opens up spaces in our C area, which is where the majority of our visitors park. And what we're anecdotally seeing is that a lot of those visitors are finding space, they're paying, and that's you know, they pay four times more than our, well, or actually it'd be eight times more than our, than our L, L people. And so we're actually starting to see that maybe we are making money. And, but I want to say it's anecdotally. Um, we need to do some research on that, and we're starting to get enough data to be able to do that research. So, I mean, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, again, I think it's really neat, really cool. Um, what's the best way for listeners to follow along with what UC Davis is doing? Or are you presenting this at another national trade show? Or do you have any thoughts about um, how people can learn more if they have more questions about this? Well, they can always go to our website, taps.ucdavis.edu, and look on our news items there. That's where you can keep, keep up to date on what UC Davis is doing. Uh, we'll be presenting at IPMI in Columbus this year, uh, talking about daily choice, going from experiment to normalization, and talking in more detail about our parking invoice program and some of the other lessons we've experienced and, share, and be able to share that with our uh, peers in the industry. And um, we, we're always happy to, I'm always happy to, to take a call. Uh, there's been numerous campuses and numerous uh, practitioners across the nation that have uh, spent an hour with a phone call with me and my staff talking about the same things you've asked here. And we just get into much more detail about actual how to operate it and in uh, much more detail. But I'm always happy to do that because, you know, over the years, I found that this industry is a is a lot of sharing, and you know nobody. I I think nobody has an original idea. I just think somebody, everybody just uses the same thing. It's kind of like <laughs> fruitcake. Everybody, you know, there's only one fruit cake in the world. Just it keeps getting passed along to everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, we uh, wow. So Perry, um, I will put that website in the show notes and. You definitely want to check out this presentation at IPMI again. I heard great things and. Uh, speaking of IPMI, you were last year recently named the IPMI Parking Professional of the Year. Tell us about uh, this honor. That's such a great accomplishment, Perry. Yeah, when I was in 2008, I was I had been participating lightly with uh, icons like Cindy Campbell, Karen Fox, uh, folks like that who got me into the industry as a police sergeant. 
So when I came back from Afghanistan, I decided to go into transportation full time and, and not as a law enforcement officer, but as a, a true practitioner. Um, I just grew in the industry and I just saw so many opportunities for growth, personal growth, for affecting the, can the industry regarding going from a working in a city, like you've mentioned, and going working in a campus and then working as a consultant. And I just, I just really thrived in this industry. And I was just honored to be able to receive that award uh, for uh, you know, 30 years of experience of working in the industry total. I started in 92 as a, as a officer, police officer assigned to a parking beat and all the way till now and just the growth and just the mentors I've had, Casey Jones, uh, Cindy Campbell, all great mentors that, that uh, affected my, my career and helped me direct what's important. Were you serious in that Cindy got you started in the parking industry? Yeah, she put me to the dark side. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, she was way back in the early 2000s when she was more CP, you know, California Public Parking Association. She was yeah. the president and things like that. And she got me involved as a part of the CSU, the Cal State University Systems Managers. Oh, and, and, wow. And I saw that there was more to this industry besides just fees and fines. Wow, yeah. Cindy's wonderful. And uh, man, what a small world. All right. So- Thank you for that. When you are not parking cars, when you're not providing customers with daily choice, what does Perry like to do for fun? Well, part of having five boys, five daughter-in-laws, and now I have 14 grandkids. Oh, my goodness. So my uh, wife and I, one of the uh, collateral or the side effects of living here in Davis is we're much closer to our family. Um, they live. Most of them live up and down the the big valley or the central valley of california and so we have much more opportunity to visit them and just enjoying this time visiting grandkids and watching them grow um you know we had five boys uh, uh raised five boys and then uh have 11 granddaughters it really makes a unique change <laughs> in in uh, how uh we see <laughs> child rearing <laughs> oh man so i grew up with the Four siblings. So my mom and dad had four boys for a while and added a, a girl later on. But she used to have this uh, like little art on her wall that said, there's a special place in heaven for the mother of four boys. So uh, mother of five boys for, for your wife. And yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that's special. Sounds like you said, how many of them live somewhat close to you guys? Uh, anywhere from four to three to four hour drive. So it's, yeah. it's not too far. And no, that's perfect. It's, yeah. It's much better than when we were living in Arizona or Texas. Yeah. Or Kentucky. Yeah. Wow, man. That's awesome. Uh, well, Perry, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your, uh, your, your daily choice program. Again, I think it's really cool, especially with the post pay, um, notice that you guys do. And, um, I don't know. I think it's great to think differently. And um, I love how you created this uh, plan to meet the needs of your uh, stakeholders. So thanks for joining the podcast, Perry. Have a great week. Hey, thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by RiseTech. RiseTech's Verge data analytics and reporting platform delivers a powerful management solution with integration to your existing technologies. I've actually seen this and it's pretty cool. I hope you check it out. Learn why some of the largest cities in the United States, such as New York City, 
are using RiseTech to solve their parking and transportation challenges at risetechglobal.com forward slash parking podcast. Just wanted to drop a quick word that we have some really cool t-shirts and other merch for sale that help support the podcast and make you look really, really cool. Check them out at parkingcast.com slash swag or click the link in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 2011, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My personal favorite is the ability to pay for parking and tip right from my phone without having to download an app. Tez has a multitude of solutions that are on the leading edge of the industry. Learn more at teztechnology.com. This episode is brought to you by Parking Merchant Processing PMP, your trusted partner in credit card processing and merchant services. Learn why parking companies and operations are switching over to PMP to save money, gain further transparency on processing, and even receive a referral bonus. Learn more at parkingmerchantprocessing.com. This episode is brought to you by Paved Mobility. Pave Mobility is the leader in automated parking enforcement. Pave installs fixed LPR cameras at no charge to you or your operation. Pave then captures parkers who did not make a payment or are not on a credential list and sends them a notice in the mail. Learn why so many asset owners and operators are switching over to Pave at pavemobility.com or you can just message me. I'd love to get involved and personally help with your account. 